0: is a real blessing to be here with you this morning. Um, thank you so much for your welcome, Ross. It's a, a delight to be here, to be able to have the chance to open God's Word to you, um, to be able to explore what the Lord has to say from us together. So maybe as we come to God's Word, we just still our heart before Him in a word of prayer. Let's just bow in prayer. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for all of Your good gifts to us, Lord, we thank You so much for breath in our bodies, Lord. We thank You so much for air in our lungs that You would allow us even to have got out of bed this morning. God, we pray just now that as we come to Your Word that uh, You would give us uh, wisdom, Lord, that You would give us uh, knowledge, Lord, and insight as we uh, expound it together, as we see what You would have for us from it tonight, Lord. Richly bless us, we pray, with Your Spirit, move in this place. We welcome you here, Lord Jesus, and we pray that you'll come and help us just now, and we ask it in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible with you this evening, I would invite you to turn with me uh, to Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, Ross has already read some of it, but we're just going to read it again, Ephesians chapter 2, and the first 10 verses. And, and as we read, I really want you to ask yourself, Who am I? What is it that shapes my life? You know, we live in such a self-centered society, don't we? So much of our lives is driven by the next thing that we want, a bigger car, a bigger tractor, a bigger promotion, more land, more cattle perhaps, more uh, of this, that, and the other. So much of our whole identity, so much of the whole purpose that we live can so easily become caught up in all of these material things. And and so as we read Ephesians chapter 2 tonight, I really want you to stop and think and take account of your life. As the body of Christ here tonight in Airdrie Baptist Church, what does it mean to be alive in Christ? What does it mean to find our whole identity in Christ? Well, let's read Ephesians chapter 2 together. Ephesians 2 and verse 1, and the Scripture says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the Spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But God, Because of His great love for us, He who was rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions and sins. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We'll just end our reading there, and we know that God will add His blessing to the public reading of His Word. Just to say something about the context of this passage, the book of uh, Ephesians, of course, is written by Paul. It was written around uh, the year A.D. 61. Uh, Some scholars would argue that it was a circular letter um, intended to be read uh, by many of the churches within Asia Minor. Uh, Paul, at some points during the letter, uses the term all those, uh, and we would expect that if it was a letter intended for one church that uh, he would have used and addressed people specifically, um, given the fact that he had spent three years ministering in Ephesus. But it seems uh, unlikely, though, as all uh, but five manuscripts that are known say specifically that the letter was written to the Ephesians. Whatever the case, Paul writes this letter with two main objectives— If you read chapter 1, 2, and 3, you'll see that Paul expounds the doctrine of salvation. He wants to uh, give the the, the Ephesian church this flavor of the fact that they're saved through faith in Christ alone, by the grace of God alone, chosen before the foundations of the earth. And once he has expounded the doctrine of salvation in chapters 4, 5, and 6, he goes on to Equip the believer practically for a life which is consecrated to and lived out for the glory of God. In chapter 1 then, Paul begins to unravel the great mystery of salvation, praising God for all that He has done in us. Look at chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to uh, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless before His sight. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus in accordance with His pleasure and will. Paul goes on then in chapter 1 to pray for the believers in Ephesus. Look at chapter 1, verse 18. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you. The riches of His glory, uh, His glorious inheritance in His holy people. And then he goes on and he reminds the believers in Ephesus that Christ is the head of the church and the one whom they serve. And so now, after this, uh, we arrive at the beginning of chapter 2 and, and Paul uh, draws our attention to, the, to just what it is that God has saved us, what it is that He has saved us from, and what it is He has saved us to. And so this evening, as we consider this passage, I just want to divide the passage up into three simple sections. First of all, we're going to look at the the wrath that we deserved. The wrath that we deserved. Then we'll look at the grace of God. And then finally, um, we'll just spend a short while looking at our union with Christ, or what it is that we are identified with Christ, how we find our identity in Christ. So, the wrath that we deserved, look again at verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Paul says that we were dead in our sin. Even though we live physically, we are dead spiritually because of the sin in our lives. This sin which we inherited from Adam and Eve, this sin which indwells us from the very moment that we leave the womb, which we inherited from our first parents, Adam and Eve, and, and you know, tonight as we're sitting here in this meeting, we could get all caught up over the difference of transgressions and sins, or sins of omission and sins of commission, but, but to do so would be to completely miss the point of the verse. Paul here is warning us, and Paul here is showing us that if you have not trusted Christ tonight, then the prognosis which is given for you is that of death, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, as Romans 3.23 says. Paul makes it very clear when he writes chapter 6, verse 23, that the wages of sin is death, spiritual death, eternal. That, uh, whenever the rich man died without Christ, it, the scripture says he was in Hades where he was in torment he looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side and he asked him father Abraham have pity on me send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because of the agony i am in in this fire in Luke chapter 16 verse 26 Paul says or Luke says that between you and us or between Lazarus and Uh, the rich man, or between those who are saved and those who are unsaved and in the lost eternity, between us and you is a great chasm that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor anyone cross over from there to us. There are only two roads in life tonight, dear friend. There's the broad road that leads to destruction, and there's the narrow road that leads to heaven, to an eternity spent with Christ this is the wrath that we deserve, dear friend. Are you sobered by it? If you've never given your life to the Lord this evening, are you sobered by the fact that when you draw your last breath, you will enter a lost eternity? This is the doom that will befall you that we've just read of. If you're saved this evening, if you have been walking with the Lord perhaps for many years, well, are you sobered by the fact, are you sobered by the greatness of our God, the the fact that whilst we were still sinners and whilst we were still deserving of God's wrath, that he would send his own son to die for us, punish his one and only son. He was born, he, he was born in a manger. He grew up as a man. He was punished as an innocent man, put to death, and rose day, again three days later. Are you, are you sobered by the fact that God would send his only son to die so that he might redeem unworthy sinners like us? From this purely and rightly justified wrath the wrath that we deserved was great but oh much more (laughs) greater was the grace of god that he has towards us you know i i love that hymn one of my favorite hymns is i stand amazed in the presence of jesus the nazarene and i wonder at how he could love me a sinner condemned unclean let's stand amazed this evening I stand amazed in the presence of this God who would avert such a wrath by sending His only Son to die for us. Next, uh, we want to consider, we want to look at the grace of God in this passage. Look at verse 4 again. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins. I... One might argue that this is the biggest but moment in the book of Ephesians. I I would say that this is the biggest but moment in the whole of Scripture, that whilst we were deserving of wrath, but God, whilst we were deserving of the punishment for sin, but God, imagine it that the God of the whole universe would love wretched sinners like you and I enough that he would save us from the wrath that we so rightly deserve. What is grace? Well, grace is defined as unmerited or or undeserved favor of God towards those who are under condemnation. Grace is God saying that whilst you were deserving of wrath for your sinfulness, yet will I send my only son Jesus to die, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Grace is God saying that God made him who knew no sin to become sin. Why? Why would God do that? That we might become the righteousness of God. You know, Paul experienced God's grace in an unspeakable measure. Think, Think back, back to, to the Demean. And Paul's heading towards Damascus, fully intent on persecuting and killing. light shone down from heaven, this bright light shone down and the voice of the Lord comes and says to Paul, so I am Jesus, you are persecuting, at this point when Jesus met him, at this point when Jesus could have so easily condemned him for his, his, his persecution, for his murder." God was fully justified in in wanting to punish, in wanting to to pour out his wrath and fall, and yet Jesus comes. of God is sufficient for you tonight as you sit here in the Baptist Church. Perhaps you're here tonight and, and you're not persecuting Christians as Paul was, but, but you realize that before God you stand condemned because of your sin. Let me tell you, let me assure you, let me plead with you that the grace of God is sufficient for you. This unmerited favor is freely available for you tonight if you would only come and face your trust, face your life, you uh, struggle with sins in your life you still struggle uh, with a recurring battle or a recurring sin that 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 you trip up on let me tell book of life was to be open tonight, would you be in the book? Would you be in Christ